This is episode 141 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're continuing Winter Youth 2007, Our God, His Love, Your Neighbor, with Rick McKinley. This is session two. How you guys doing? Nice. I'm going to move this. Yeah. I want you to sing with me. Hey, guys, appreciate the worship team. All right. How about our artists in residence? Yes. Thank you, son. (laughs) I'll give you the five bucks later. Man, you guys can make some cash here this year. So I don't know what you walk away with, but walk away with some money, would you? Come on. Well, tonight, uh, I want us to try to answer the question that we asked this morning, this afternoon, when we talked about this definition of God. That as we walk through Scripture, we see this picture of God that's really sort of not like probably most of the pictures that a lot of us have. That God is God Almighty. That He is who He will be. That he is the God that is full of loyal love, and yet he's faithful to discipline. And he's a God that sees right into our hearts. And so for some of us, hopefully we walked away with kind of a new picture of God, an expanded picture of God that may have felt a little bit more distant than the God that we've created, but yet more real, with more possibility for hope and and life transformation. And today, tonight what I want to do is just kind of try to answer the question, how do we respond to a God like that? When that God shows up in your life and knocks on your door and says, this is who I am, and you have an Abraham, a Moses, a David encounter with God, how are you supposed to respond? And so what I want us to do is go back into the lives of these three people and try to answer that question. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Genesis 17 again. Let there be light. Ah, it works better with God. God, can there be light? Ah, <laughs> nice. See? A little more. Higher. Well, you guys don't get any light. The good and the evil. What did you guys do this afternoon? You are the dark side. Come to the dark side. Can we remedy that or? I got a thumb up. Yes, we're going to remedy that. Yes, okay. Just be patient. Yeah, there you go. Nice. More. Hey, what was up with the dude in the back counting the money thing? Like, those were not deals. Like, you should have had 700 on the offer. You can protest that tomorrow. Jake, you better not be pocketing money. We will find you. All right, Genesis 17. So God comes to Abraham, and he gives him the name. I am God Almighty, God of the impossible. And this is what Abraham does in verse 3. Abraham, Abram fell face down. So the first thing that we see Abram do as he falls on his face 
And he essentially, he fears God. He fears God. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of the, that whole term, fear God. I think we don't want to hold that term because Jesus is compassionate and Jesus is full of grace and Jesus loves us and He holds us like a, a little shepherd, to, a little sheep to His chest. And so we kind of, we, we like to couch the picture of Jesus as sort of this gentle Jesus and He floats around and He's got long hair and kind of touches us like the tooth fairy or something, you know, and we're, we like that Jesus. In Revelation 14, Jesus comes back in a white robe, dipped in blood, a sword coming out of his mouth to kill his enemies. We're kind of like, hmm. If we're on his team, that's fine. If we're not on his team, I don't know if I like that picture. Where's the one where he's holding the lambs? That's the one. The precious, my precious moments Bible does not have a picture of Jesus dipped in blood. You know, I don't know what happened. But when you go through your Bible, and hopefully you will do this in in this year, your lifetime, whatever, but you encounter the people that are encountering this God, this God with the big name and the huge definition, this God who's other, and they fall on their face. Internally, externally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, they fear God. Now look with me at verse 17 through 19. Abraham fell face down. Again, he falls face down as God explains to him that his wife will have a a child. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. So he falls face down and he laughs. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Like if you're that, if you're afraid and you fall face down, it's not good to laugh in that moment. Right? Your parents come home and you're doing something you're not supposed to do. Oh, and you fall face down. But you know if you do the... (laughs) Really, we're scared. Right? What's going on in this picture that here is this reverent fall on your face and yet laugh? Like, what's happening here? He falls face down, he laughs, and he says to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael could live under your blessing. And then God says, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter, that's right. $800 for you. (laughs) I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And so... Abraham falls face down, he laughs, and God says, again, God Almighty will do the impossible. And your wife who's 90 will have a son. We're going to call him laughter because it is that ridiculous and funny and beautiful. And so there's a sense that Abraham is completely himself and he's safe to be himself. He's safe to feel, he's safe to ask those questions, and yet he's still in fear of the Lord. When we think of fear, we think of this really retribution type of fear. Like, you better be afraid for your life. You're going to die. Something bad is going to happen to you. You're going to be afraid. When we encounter people who fear God, they have a reverent sort of awe to them, 
Like, this is a God who's way bigger than me, who can do whatever He wants. He's God Almighty. He is who He is. And yet, I'm safe. I'm safe to be me. I'm safe to feel. I'm safe to question. I'm safe to ask. I'm safe to dream. I'm safe to be who I am. And yet God is all that He is. And He is that to me in my life, in my journey, in this moment. And I'm safe. I'm fearing God and I'm totally safe. We, um, my family was given, my daughter was given a poodle. Don't talk down about my daughter's poodle. Because I will. Okay, so we have this, it's about that big. I care, you could carry it in your pocket, probably. And it's Juliet. Juliet, the French poodle. And she walks around with a little, she has a polo shirt on at the moment. She's amazing. She's this big. Which was, and we were sort of a little concerned because I have a 115 pound golden retriever. Right? So it's not like we have a middle of the road dog. We have this thing that you could go snap, and we have this giant mammoth animal. And we watched these two as they sort of built a relationship. She absolutely runs the house. Like he's just all, you know? But there's a sense that he, he could, he, he could, wipe her out in a moment's notice and he'll bring in like a sock and he'll dangle it in front of her and she'll grab onto it and he'll spin her around <laughs> and she's just all you know and he's like, spinning her around she'll jump up and grab on his tongue and he's just like and there's a dog hanging off your tongue bro <laughs> she's like, and he's all hmm she, we give him a bone for Christmas, you know. She drags it away. It's twice as big as her. He's like, hmm. And the other night they're playing, and she's just nipping at him and going crazy, and he takes his mouth and he puts it over her head. He's like, hmm. And every now and then, she'll kind of mess up, and he'll just growl. And whatever is different between that growl and the growl when they're playing, she knows it. Because she goes from like, da 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 to laying on her back. <laughs> ah, okay, go ahead, what do you want to do? And, and totally gives in. But in that moment, you can tell that she has absolute respect for him. And yet, as powerful as he is, as mammoth as he is, as so much bigger than he is, she feels safe with him because he's good. He's not going to snap her in half because he takes care of her. For Abraham, when he falls face down before this God who could easily encompass him, engulf him, wipe him out in a second, he also laughs because he's safe. And it's this weird paradox where he fears God, but he is absolutely at rest to be himself in the safety of God's presence. So when we talk about you responding to the largeness of this God by fearing Him, it is a request, it's an invitation to fear Him and be absolutely safe in His presence. To fall face down and laugh. To fall face down and cry. To fall face down and question. To fall face down and, and do whatever it is that you need to do as you express who you are in the presence of God. And, and I hope, and I don't know what 
you know, we all come from different church backgrounds and histories, but a lot of our churches are a little stuffy. And we don't feel a whole lot. Emotion is almost like we're afraid we're going to get carried away and end up naked in a pew or something. I have no idea what we're afraid of, but we're kind of like standing here. And every now and then, we get a little of that. And if the preacher really does good, in a typical sort of conservative white church, you get this. Mm. I mean, you've hit it out of the park if somebody grunts and nods, right? And you don't know if they have gas or what's going on, but you're just like, oh, I saw that nod back there, Uh uh-huh. Where'd all the people go around you? I don't... Anyways... Whatever you're in, I hope you know that it is appropriate to feel. It's appropriate to be safe before God and feel what you need to feel. To fear God and express emotion. To fear God and be real. It is safe for you to be real. Amen. Wow, that was really emotional. Okay, calm down. Not in this. Not not now. I mean, come on. I'm just talking. We're not really going to live this out. <laughs> it's like Jake. You got to take the mic away from everybody. So the first thing we see this huge picture of God, and the appropriate response is to fear Him, and it's in, in the fear of God, it is safe in the fear of the Lord. All right, turn to Exodus, to Moses. How does Moses respond? How do the people respond when the God who is acts? Well, here's what's happened. They have, uh, he's gone to Pharaoh. He's told him, look, I am. Says he's going to deliver us, and if you don't let us go, he's going to wipe you out. And They come to the Red Sea, and there is a million plus people marching through the Red Sea. It's not like four people skipping across a river. Okay? There's a nation that has to cross a, an ocean practically. And Moses steps in and this thing parts and they walk across on dry land. I don't know what you would feel as you walk through there, a wall of water, just kind of like, hmm, that was convenient. Right? It's pretty impressive. And they move through the other side and here comes Pharaoh's army and the water clashes on them and they get wiped out. Okay, And in chapter 14, verse 31, here's what we see. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. So here again is this paradox. Here's this great fear But it's a fear that leads to trust. It's a fear that leads to the sense that, man, this God is so powerful, it's scary. He's so incredibly mighty. He does whatever He wants to do. He's loyal in His love, and yet He's going to discipline us if we walk away from Him. And yet, He's scary, but we can absolutely trust Him. And that's an important thing that we all have to have. And the fear that I picture here is like, you know, you know when you go on like a roller coaster or something? And you, you know, the tick, 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 and you get up to the top, and you, you know, your, your friend wets a little bit in their pants, and you know, you're just, you're kind of back like this, and 
you know what's coming, and it's not pretty, it's just this ridiculous thing. You are afraid, and people scream, ah, you know, everybody's freaking out. But something in you trusts the fact that you're actually not going to die, right? Because you'd act really different if you knew, uh, we're going to go up to the top and then it's a cliff and we die, right? We wouldn't be like, oh, <laughs> oh this is going to be good. Put your hands in the air. Put your hands in the air. We're going to die, right? Let's die with our hands in the air. That'd be fun, huh? That'd be funny. <laughs> no, if you were going up to the top and it was like, you're going to die as soon as we go... People would act very different on the roller coaster, wouldn't they? They'd be climbing out, stop the ride. It'd be, it'd be chaos. But something in you trust that even though you're afraid, you respect it and you trust that you're not going to die. In most cases. Just something to think about next time you go to the amusement park. They're not 100%. Well, here they go through this, and this awe-inspiring act of God, the God who's sort of scary, and they have fear for Him, but everything in them says, we could trust this God. We could trust this God. And at some point in your life, whether it's right now, and you're in the middle of it, or, or it's to come, you're going to have to walk through some fairly deep waters. You're going to be chased down by your enemies, so to speak. And it's at that moment that you really don't have a clear picture of what the outcome is going to be. God hasn't given you the kind of final product that says, well, everything's going to be fine in the morning. We, sometimes it doesn't end up great. But this is a God who is just deeply in the midst of it. He's God Almighty. And He loves you with an everlasting love. And He says, as scary as it is, put your life in My hands and you can trust Me. I can do anything I need to do to take care of you. I can do anything I need to do to defeat your enemies. So if you follow Me, embrace this huge picture of Me. If you fear Me, that fear will drive you to trust me. And really, at the end of the day, all we have is God. To fear Him and to trust Him. Turn to chapter 20. The fear of the Lord is safe. The fear of the Lord enables us to trust God as we respond to Him. And in chapter 20, Moses has just given them the, the Ten Commandments. And in verse 18, it says this, When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet, Moses is up there and there's a light show going on as God is speaking with Moses. They back off at a distance. They are full of trembling and fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we'll listen. Don't have God speak to us because we'll die. So they got a fairly, they're not wearing Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts at this moment, right? They're going, no, let's, uh, how about you talk to God and tell him we said hi and we'll be way, way, way over here because he is scaring us to death. And Moses says to the people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you. Huh? Don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. So what the people had was this twisted view of fear. They had the fear that here's the God who's going to kill us. And he says, don't be afraid like that. Don't be afraid like that. But God has come to test you. He gave you a little glimpse of how mighty he is, how other he is, how powerful he is. And that was to instill a fear in you to say, I don't want to sin against this God. I don't want to sin against this God. The fear of the Lord should keep us from sinning. It's not 100%, but it should be some motive that I do not want to sin against the God who is almighty. The God who is who He is. The loyal lover. The faithful discipliner. The one who sees my heart. I fear Him enough to go, I do not want to sin against this God. That means I'm going to do something a little different with my sexuality than the culture's telling me to. Because I fear God. It means I'm going to treat my parents differently than most of the sitcoms on TV show kids treating their parents because I fear God. It means I'm going to treat my neighbor differently. I'm going to check my thought life differently. I'm going to treat Christianity differently than most Christians because I want to fear God. And that fear is safe. It's safe to be me. It's a fear that enables me to trust Him. But it is a fear that keeps me from sinning. And too often in the church, we have created this get-out-of-sin-free card with Christianity. If I just keep confessing my sins, God's faithful and He'll forgive me. And we treat it like an endless debit card. Do whatever you want because God just winks and looks the other way. That's why Jesus died. So His people could be full of sin and enjoy themselves in it. That's a false gospel. The gospel is that Jesus died and rose from the dead so that you could live a life that was free from sin. And that free from sin is motivated by the fact that you have a picture of God, the image of the invisible God, the God that we've been talking about all today. And He went to the cross, rose from the dead after dying for our sin so that you can live a resurrected life. You should fear that God. You should not want to sin against that God. The fear of the Lord should keep us from sinning. And so if you were to go back and you could say to Abraham, Abraham, how do you respond to God Almighty? He said, I feared Him. And I, I was safe with Him to be me. If you said to Moses and the people, how did you respond to God? He'd say, we feared Him, which helped us to put our trust in Him. We feared Him. And that should have kept us from sinning. And then we come to David. Turn to Psalm 86. The great thing about David is that he basically gave us a a little piece of his journal here in the Psalms. We get to see him wrestling with God. We get to see him doubting. We get to see him telling God to kill his enemies. It's just, it's kind of an R rated book of the Bible. 
because he's just straight up. It's raw, earthy spirituality. The first thing I want you to see is that David gets the definition of God that we're talking about. Look at verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So David was well aware of the definition of God that Moses gave us. He understood this God is wholly other. He's not reduced to being kind of a fix-it God. He's not reduced to some figment of my imagination. This is a God that Scripture absolutely paints a picture for us. And David knew this God. Now look with me at verse 11. Teach me Your way, O Lord, and I will walk in the truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear Your name. Now he's doing two things that he's putting together as sort of synonymous. He's saying, teach me Your ways and I will walk in Your truth. Give me an undivided heart and I may fear Your your name. Walk in the truth is a huge kind of term. And essentially means that I'm going to live righteously. It's talking about the issue of ethics. Ethics is why do you do what you do? Why don't you murder people who steal your, the seat on the bus? Why don't you do that? Because you have an ethical reason that, that you don't. Hopefully. And, and so what David is saying is that the fear of the Lord, that I understand who this God is, it's a big picture of God for me. And I don't want my heart divided. I want to fear Him appropriately. And Abraham fell face down. And the people of Israel trembled. But for David, it's not just emotional. It's not just this emotional thing where it's, it's all about, oh my gosh, and it, it's, it's, it is that. But it's something deeper than that. For David, it's, it's about justice. Why would you treat people who are poor the same as people who are rich? Why would you care about brothers and sisters in Christ that are suffering in the world today because they don't have clean drinking water? The issue is that we are to act justly in the world. And what keeps us in a place where we say we're going to treat our neighbor justly. We're going to live righteously. That in the heart of heart, we want to have ethical lives. We want to walk in God's truth. And that just, it isn't simply that we walk in the truth by the fact that we've memorized the Bible. We walk in the truth of God and that we're people who are just and people who are righteous. The thing is, if you were to go to the mall sometime this week and you're buying something and you give them the money and they give you the change back and they give you $20 more, do you think you struck the jackpot? Or do you go back and tell them they made a mistake? That's good. That a boy. See, some of us walk away and we're like, yay, God blessed me. Right? (laughs) God really, thank you, God. When it comes to the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord also causes us to walk in truth, to live right. 
To walk in justice. means that we treat people justly. It's it's why you don't join in when everybody's mocking that kid at school. Because you fear God. It's why you don't want to go and you don't want to participate in like illicit game because you fear God. It's not just that it keeps you from sinning, but it keeps you from doing what is unjust. You care about people that the world doesn't care about because you fear God. The way you use your money looks different because you fear God. You stand in solidarity with broken people in the world because you fear God. The fear of the Lord, when you get a glimpse of the God that Abraham knew, and Moses knew, and David knew, it causes you to fear Him and live a different life. A life where you're safe with Him. A life that you can completely trust Him in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord that keeps you from sinning. And the fear of the Lord that would cause you to be different, to walk in truth, to live justly. Now, we could spend time going through these characters, and you could sit there and say to me, well, that's really good, Rick, but these are Bible characters. And quite frankly, I'm not a Bible character. I'm not really... No one's going to walk away a thousand years from now going, remember Bill? like Abraham and Moses and Bill, right? So there's a piece of us that just says, well, is this real for me? If I embrace this God, if I really capture this picture and I respond in the fear of the Lord that I fear God, what's the net effect for me? Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. This is a book that's written by David's son, Solomon. And here's what he says in verse 7. He says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. I, I would think that there's a lot of you here they really do want to run the race of faith. And, and I would imagine that you see lots of people around you that you look up to and you think, I'm watching my parents do this and I'm seeing my older siblings do this and I see older godly people in our faith community and they're, they're running after God. They fear this God. And there's a good chance that you see a lot of other people too and they don't. They call themselves Christians, but their their life doesn't look anything like the fear of the Lord. Their marriages don't look that way. Their kids at school who kind of wave the flag, but their lives don't really show any net effect of that. And, and, And what I want to say to you is that you're at a great point in your life to make some key choices. And to choose to be the type of young man and young woman that says, I understand as much as I can at this point, this picture that God is much bigger than I ever thought He was. 
And I want, I want to fear him. I do fear him. And the Bible says that that is the wisest thing you could do. It's the beginning of knowledge. Everybody talks about, I just want to know God. I just want to know God. And we turn it into almost a fluffy kind of thing. Like, oh, I just want to know God more. If you want to know God, fear God. That's, where, that's the beginning point. That's the starting blocks. If you don't fear God, then you're never going to know God. So Abraham got to know God when he fell on his face. And he laughed. The people of Israel got to know God when they walked through the water and they feared His mighty power and they trusted Him. David got to know God when he feared Him. He understood that. And he said, "My life, I want my life to walk in that kind of justice. Now the problem is, you and I are never going to live a perfect track record. You're going to sin and you're going to blow it and you're going to fall. And Abraham and Moses and David, they all blew it. But at the core, what was overarching, defining their life was the fear of the Lord. That they loved God and they worshipped God and they feared Him. And that was what their whole life was about. The way that we respond to this God is that we should fear Him with a fear that's safe and trusting. A fear that keeps us from sin. And a fear that ultimately causes us to treat our neighbor differently in the world. You're at a great age to begin fearing God. You're at a great point to not go through your life as a fool the, the, the writer of Proverbs says it's the fool. He despises discipline and he doesn't want anything to do with wisdom. And so you'll go down a road and many of you will do this. A road that looks so much more appealing. A word, a world, it's a road that you don't have to worry about the fear of God. Do whatever you want to do. It's a really wide road. And there's some sweet cars on that road. And there's some great parties going on and all kinds of the turnoffs. And the whole world is there and they're just saying, like, this is what it is all about. And sure, there's massive kind of pile-ups all over the place, but if you drive fast enough, you don't really get to get a good look at the carnage. And what's really important anyways is you and you're on this road and you get to do what you want to do on this road. And the writer of Proverbs says you're a fool. And some of you will have to go down and run your car off the cliff and ruin your life in order for you to fear God. And that sucks, but it's true. In ten years from now, we'll be able to know who's who. But tonight, tonight's a good time for you to avoid that. And there's this little kind of bumpy hiking trail that nobody's really paying attention to on this big wide road. And there's a little sign, and it simply says the Jesus way. It's the narrow way. But it's the way that leads to life. And there's a few of you in here who are going to find that tonight. Because you will fear the Lord. There's a great song as the worship team comes that we've sung You've probably sung a whole bunch of times in your life. It's Amazing Grace. 
And John Newton is the guy that wrote the song, and he put the line this way. He says, it was grace that taught my heart to fear. And some of you are here tonight, and the grace of God is actually compelling you to fear this God. It's grace that is teaching you, that's tapping you on the shoulder, and say, bow down like Abraham and be safe with God. Bow down like Moses and trust Him. Bow down with the people of Israel and, and, and don't sin. Bow down with David and love your neighbor. That's grace that is compelling you. And the rest of the line says, it was grace that taught my heart to fear, and it was grace my fear relieved. That somehow in this crazy mystery of walking with Jesus, that we find ourselves in the fear of God, and it's a fear that is the most beautiful place to be. It's a fear that is relieved in His intimacy, and yet maintains a humble posture. And so tonight, my prayer is that that many of you will decide to take the narrow path and to live in the fear of the Lord as you follow Jesus. Would you stand with me? Let me pray for you tonight. Pray with me. God Almighty, the great I am. The God who is a loyal lover and a faithful to discipline. God who sees the heart of every every person in this room. Jesus, the image of the invisible God. We pray tonight that through Your grace, God, we choose to bow down and worship You. We fear You. God, I pray that many in this room tonight will begin begin their relationship with You in a new way. In the fear of the Lord. And in that place, I pray they would find safety to be them. They would find a great trust in Your mighty power and otherness. They would keep themselves from sin out of great respect and reverence for You. And they would look at everybody in the world as their neighbor and treat them justly and righteously because they fear You. God, would You by Your Spirit, through Your grace, teach our hearts to fear tonight? And through that grace, relieve our fears. We pray these things in the mighty name of Almighty God, Jesus Christ. Amen.